Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Here in WrestleRant Radio for September 9, 2021. Uh, here today we're talking all about AEW All Out Weekend, Monday Night Raw, and everything else in between. Mr. Marceau, you're back per usual. What's going on, brother? Doing good. How are you? Doing great, Mr. Marceau. we got a lot to break down here today, including AEW All Out, which we definitely have some mixed thoughts on. Uh, from Sunday night, I was there in person. I'm obviously biased. We were having a great conversation about it the last couple of days, and we just went on for 45 minutes about certain things that are and are not happening currently in AEW. We'll get all of that momentarily. A new episode's available every single Thursday of WrestleRant Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Also available on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com. Um, it's a pretty big week in wrestling coming out of All Out, but we also have SmackDown tomorrow night um, at Madison Square Garden. So before we go any further with the AEW stuff, I do want to mention a few things on the WWE front, Mr. Marceau. Uh, we got SmackDown tomorrow night, MSG. You got looking forward to the show. We got Brock on the show, Edge versus Rollins 2, the Becky Bianca contract signing. There's a lot of stuff in WWE right now that we don't know you know like too much about in terms of like the creative side of things and a lot of uncertainty right now, specifically in the Raw side of things. We have the NXT revamp coming up. But at least SmackDown consistently has been an enjoyable show. Um, last week, we had Roman and Balor for the Universal Championship, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, what are your thoughts going into tomorrow night's SmackDown live in MSJ? Uh, I think it's going to be a good show. I mean, they're they're, they're touting it. It's going to be a good show. Like they put the Super SmackDown kind of tagline on it, and Brock will be there, and I think it'll be a great show. I mean, they've been putting out a great product for a while now compared to what Raw's done. I mean, I thought Raw's show on Monday was pretty decent for Raw standards at least, but um, SmackDown's been great, so um, I think it'll be another great edition of uh, Friday Night SmackDown. When did you officially lose hope or slash confidence that Raw was worth salvaging? I feel like we're at a point now where it's just... I mean, again, like you said, I thought Raw's show this past week was decent. I will back you up on that. We'll get back to it. Probably at the end of the show, I want to leave enough time for All Out, but... You told me on Monday you're done being optimistic. You know the show is terrible. What broke you? I think just it's just I feel like every week it's the same old shit with Raw. Like it's the same matches. I feel like we've been the same like feuds and shit for the last like year. Yeah, like the and same it, holding pattern. Yeah, like Orton and Brittle win the tag championships. Like okay, and then they just put Randy. Like I love Randy Orton, but they put him back on the main title picture. Like they just won the tag belts. What the fuck? Is <laughs> Like, that just doesn't make sense. I like Priest a lot. I think he's been doing well. Um, but, like, besides that, like, Charlotte, I mean, her and Alexa I'm excited for. I mean, her and Nia Jax, like, I honestly, the less Nia the better. I mean, get her off the fucking show, realistically. Um, did we talk about last week about how terrible that match was on Raw? We did. We did We did talk about that. Yeah, match. it was awful. Um, but, like, just, I don't know. I just feel like Raw's just the same old shit. I feel like it's just never got, like, it's always been the same, and I feel like I finally realized like it just, it just, it just sucks. They need to fucking change something about it. I feel like it's just the same formula every week. It's the same kind of matches. There's no creativity behind it. It's just the same shit. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I don't want to be completely negative of any product, but like on the Raw side, they got a couple of good things going on. I like Bobby Lashley as champion. I like RK Bro a lot. Damian Priest has been thriving. So most of their champions are right where they should be. Charlotte is the right fit for that Raw Women's Championship. The rest of that show is an absolute shambles. I mean, they obviously struggle to fill three hours. I enjoy the tag team turmoil stuff from Monday. I like the Sheamus and Drew match. No surprise there. They work very well together. But like you said, the show needs some sort of significant overhaul. And what's going to get them to that point to motivate them to be better is the real question. Um, we have Monday Night Football coming back tonight as we speak. Our Monday Night Football is obviously back on Monday. Football season kickoff is tonight. Uh, Monday Night Football kicks off next week. I'm a little surprised they didn't, you know, stack up that show more than they have 
for Monday to kind of en- endure or entice people to watch that show. Um, they advertised the tag team title match, RK-Bro versus Lashley and MVP again. And they're also advertising again, which didn't happen the first time, even Marie versus Dewdrop. Are you surprised as I am that they're not loading up that show for Monday night? Um, not really. I just feel like even if you, it just, it's just not going to compete. So it's not even worth like wasting a good show, I guess, on that. I just, it just, I feel like Raw's been such shambles lately and they know the ratings are going to suck. So at this point, why even try to like, I don't know. I feel like it's too late at this point. You should have been doing this in the midsummer when you had no competition. And what are you going to wait? So, and they do this every year. They try to like, they try their best right when football starts to like compete and then they show a suck and then they just give up until like Royal Rumble season. I just feel like, you need to keep it consistently good, and it just never is. Yeah, that happens every year. I mean, how many discussions have we had where they do, like, a great summer angle? And they did it this year at SummerSlam. I mean, it's on the SmackDown side of things. But every year around SummerSlam time, they do some great big angle, and they fail to follow up on it. And then, like, the fall season is notoriously typically terrible. And I now I hate to sound, you know, negative, but I feel like this year will be no different on the Raw side of things. So hopefully they can I, – I want to say they can improve. I have no idea at this point. Do you think AEW at all, with what's been going on with them, will push them to be better on a creative front, or do you think that's not going to happen until they're beating them in the ratings, which I'm not going to say that's inevitable. I don't really think it's a matter of Dynamite's numbers going up. I think it's more a matter of Raw's numbers going down. But what do you think would be the deciding factor, like it was 20, 25 years ago, the Attitude Era, that would push WWE to finally putting out, or putting more of an effort into their Raw creative? (laughs) I honestly have no idea at this point. I figure the terrible ratings would help. Hasn't. Um, figured people leaving would help. Hasn't helped. Um, I honestly don't know. I just, I don't think, I mean, maybe Raw, because I feel like Raw just honestly got to a point that's very unbearable. I think if, I think it just feels like now they've just focused way more about SmackDown. SmackDown's clearly like, maybe not their A show, because more people know about Raw, but I mean, week in and week out, it's hands down the best show they have. has the best ratings. I just, I just, Raw needs, like, a fucking facelift. It needs something different. They need something that they commit to and it works or something. The three hours is definitely what started the decline. And I just feel like they just have rematches and just the same old shit to fill up time. And it's not... And there's, uh, Raw is so unsee or unneeded. Like, it's so unbuzzworthy that you don't need to watch it live. It is so boring. It's the same formula every week. It's not must-see at all. At least SmackDown has that somewhat of must-see must feel. Mm-hmm. Raw has that not at all. I don't feel like I need to watch Raw live because I don't think anything exciting is probably going to happen. Yeah, that's the problem with Raw right now. I mean, I'll still go back and watch it, obviously, because I watch all this stuff. But, like, I, I, I don't feel the need to, like you said, go back and have to watch it live. I don't think I've watched a full episode of Raw live in a while. I typically don't. Typically, we start it late and we just kind of catch up with it because I know nothing major is going to happen for the most part as it's airing live that I need to watch with everyone else. Um, that's the biggest problem with Raw right now and how they improve that going off what you said, I have no fucking clue. Uh, another thing too, like we thought they might be better and, and to an extent it has been more bearable, but with fans coming back, people thought that would be kind of like, you know, the turning point for them. It really hasn't been. I thought Raw this week, like I said, was decent um, by recent Raw standards, but overall the show hasn't dramatically changed the way that we would hope it would. Kind of going off that, though, do you have any sense of optimism for the rumored revamp of NXT on Tuesday? Because we're getting that big, I don't want to say, not resurrection, but revamp, re-debut, whatever you want to call it for the, I guess, now former black and gold brand. If we're getting like the Brainbow brand now, I'm not exactly sure, but it's premiering on Tuesday, stack show on on front. Uh, they're not exactly putting a lot of effort into Raw. You kind of mentioned maybe it's not worth it. But with NXT, we got the wedding for whatever that's worth. I'm looking forward to that. I can understand people not liking that as much. But we got the four-way number one contenders match, Monet and Gonzalez for the Women's Championship. I'm looking forward to the show, but do you have any optimism that the show could at least be a lot more bearable? Um, like, it, it's not going to be like, oh, they're getting revamped and it's going to be completely terrible. Like, I, I'm, I'm, a pro, I'm applying a wait-and-see approach here to see how bad it could actually be or how good it actually could be because it might be better, but I'm, I'm not... Like, we won't know for sure until we see on Tuesday. Um, I mean, I'm very, I mean, with NXT, I'm always optimistic. I think there obviously seems like they're going to go back to more of a developmental philosophy. Um, the last couple of years, yeah, they've developed some people, but it basically has been like a separate indie promotion i mean they saw when they went through and signed all those guys right before AEW. and the last couple of years have been basically all relying on the indie guys so i think they're going to go with more of a developmental approach which 
I don't think hurts, but I think they have plenty of talent there that should work, and we'll just see what happens. But hopefully, um, they can bring out new stars. I feel like that's also a Ron Smith. I feel like Vince just doesn't. If Vince has maybe has some kind of hand on it, maybe he does have more of a. I don't know if you would say connection or has more of a reference or relationship with these people, and maybe that will help them push on their main roster. I feel like he just sees these people as like indie darlings. So when they come up to the main roster, he just doesn't give a shit about them. And that's why they basically all flop because it seems like any person on the main roster that has had huge success were people that were never in the indies. Alexa Bliss, Braun Strowman, um, Bray Wyatt had a decent career. He wasn't really an indie guy. Like Roman most Reigns. Reigns. Roman Reigns. I mean, I mean, Seth Rollins did. Seth Rollins did. But I mean, <clears throat> I, you, when, when you look at the list and you're saying, you think Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss are going to have great careers you would never thought though but they had i feel like they for some reason maybe it's just because he just has that label on him but i feel like people that hadn't had that indie experience charlotte too that's charlotte flair as well yeah they've had bigger success than than the people that like we thought would be like a no-brainer no doubt big stars and they just most of them haven't turned out to be that like that yeah and there you know there's some exceptions with like a rollins and other people that have done well like a kevin owens who we'll get to in a moment um, but yeah, well, when you hear that Vincent Bruce Pritchard reportedly might be running NXT, <clears throat> not running NXT, but like have to approve of like the major storylines and they w- there will be involvement there. Cause that was the worry around this time two years ago when NXT went to USA, oh, Vince is going to have his hands all over it. And he did. And it was largely still a Triple H product for the most part, from what I understand. That's not going to be the case anymore. So when you hear that, do you immediately think, well, this show is fucked or is it like, again, we'll wait and see as to how what this could actually mean and how much involvement they'll have? Because if we didn't read that and the show was still as good as it's been lately, you know, for what you can gauge how good or bad it's actually been. I've been enjoying the show, but I, I know you kind of feel the same. Um, but if we didn't read that, you probably would never know that they were involved. Unless we get to next week and the show is terrible, then it's like, okay, they probably have their fingerprints all over this thing. But when you hear that, what are your initial thoughts? It's nerve-wracking. I think Bruce Pritchard's an idiot, so that doesn't help. And I, and I hope Johnny Ace isn't involved at all because he's a moron as well. So. Brother Love! I just, yeah, I'm all set with Bruce Pritchard. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like me, like I said, it might be a lot of like, I like especially if go towards more of a developmental like format, maybe you'll get like some hit and misses. I mean, that's definitely going to happen, but I feel like they do have a decent, a decent foundation right now with like a Raquel Gonzalez who's basically like a homegrown town they do have a Bridge Holland I like I don't know what his background I really like Ridge I think he could be someone that a Bruce or a Vince would fall in love with I think he's great um Samoa Joe is like the head of the uh, uh, the brand is great as well and I think Mm -hmm. they do have upstart talent they could definitely um pluck in and see what they can do but I honestly am interested. I saw a report that some more people might get released. I could see a lot of the older NXT indie veteran people getting cut mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. I mean, I don't want to see that happen, but what happened last week or last night or two nights ago, I mean, I could see Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch getting, like, getting released. Mm-hmm. I, I, think they're gr- I think they're good. Are they great? No, but I think they've been good in NXT, and they're, they were good with Ridge and Dunn, but clearly they kicked them out. I mean, I like Gargano, but I mean, you got to shit to get off the pot, like you said. I mean, he's been in N- freaking NXT for so long. It's like, come on, I get it, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like saying, like, yeah, I like my job, but like, do I want to get promoted? No. I mean, I guess obviously it might not go his way, but I mean, you got to at least try it. If it doesn't, then you can leave. But I mean, just thing at NXT and just same with Champa. I mean, eventually you just got to move on, and we'll see what happens with them. But besides that, I think they do have a good foundation. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I think they could they could debut some up-and-comers. And depending, like I said, there's probably going to be some hit and misses. I mean, the Ruthless Aggression Era will show you that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's I mean, John Laurinaitis was hiring women out of a lingerie catalog. So <laughs> I help. And he pushed everyone with terrible gimmicks. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think it has a good chance to be a success. And I'll be optimistic on it. Maybe we'll see some fresh faces. Like Odyssey Jones, I was really impressed with in the breakout tournament. If he's a guy that they groom and they kind of allow to develop and they really feature him more, I could see him doing well among other people involved in that breakout tournament. Carmelo Hayes, we already think, is a star. I think he's off to a great start. He had a very good match on Tuesday with Santos Escobar. So we'll see. It depends who else they bring in. 
And again, it goes back to the whole thing. I don't think hiring athletes from outside of wrestling is a bad idea. I just think you need a good mix because obviously these people that you're bringing in are going to need people to work with that have actual wrestling experience. So I read that and it's fucking dumb. The edicts like, oh, we're not going to hire any indie people. How long do you think that's going to last though? These edicts last all of like six weeks before they go right back to what it was. Remember the whole commercial break thing from a year or two ago where like they didn't want any wrestling during commercial break. So they would do like two out of three like two out of three falls matches, which was ridiculous, but that ended within a month because they realized it was dumb and they were like, okay, it's it's not working. So this will probably be another, you know, version of that where they try it or they realize it was dumb. They see it out loud and think like, okay, that's pretty silly. Let's not do that. They're going to have to hire indie people at some point. Uh, Maybe not all indie people and that's fine. You should hire a mixture of both, but it's more a matter of uh, time before it goes back to what it's been. Uh, Kind of going off that same subject or actually one quick question for you. Who do you see being the next number one contender to the NXT Championship? L.A. Knight, Kyle O'Reilly, Tommaso Ciampa, or Pete Dunne? Come Tuesday. Oh, it's a tough one, GSM. Uh, Could go anyway. I could honestly see any four of those people winning. I'm going to say L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight. Wow, okay. Why do you say L.A. Knight? I just feel like he's newer, he's fresher. Um, if... I just feel like he, he he's a good villain to hate and would be perfect for Joe. I like Dunn, but uh, I just feel like those guys have all been the title pitcher so much lately, or at least included in the picture that, I mean, Knight hasn't been there. Just He's just got over the thing with uh, Grimes, and I think he could shine, and I think he's a good talker, and maybe he's one of those guys they, they kind of groom and kind of center the, the uh, brand around. I think he'd be great for them. Yeah, and I agree. I, I was thinking more of that he can get the title shot because he's one of the people that can Joe can beat first on an episode of NXT coming up. I, I expect Knight to win as well. Ciampa would be great. I think they're saving the other three for matches down the road. I think they might say Pete Dunne for a takeover because Ridge Holland, remember, attacked Kyle O'Reilly, so that's still unfinished business. They should cancel each other out. It really comes down to Ciampa or um, Ciampa or Knight, and I would do Ciampa and Joe at some point. I don't know if I would do it now. But I think L.A. Knight would make sense. I would love if L.A. Knight was the guy <clears throat> ultimately to take the belt off of Joe, if not like a Walter or someone along those lines. I don't know if that's going to happen, but time will tell. Going off of what we were talking about with like the signees and the, the way that they, they've been hiring people and who they've been hiring, focusing on whatever, breaking news as of like an hour ago when we're speaking right now, WWE has officially announced, and this was rumored over the weekend via Fightful, that they've announced the signing of Olympic gold medalist and reigning NCAA wrestling champion Gable Stevenson, who's fresh off his win in the Olympics like a month ago. Um, He is WWE bound, and ESPN offered some more details on it, saying that, let's see here, Um, I think I clicked out of it. But like it was basically saying that he was going to finish up his senior year at college, he might still appear in WWE programming, they were going to set up like a remote facility for him to train at, and slowly but surely be introduced and ingrained into the WWE system, which sounds pretty cool because he's obviously very young. Um, I think this is a great signing for them. Obviously, he has a lot of buzz right now. My more so worry is what it's been for everyone else as far as how they're going to use him, but if he's anything like a Kurt Angle and has legitimacy about him, and it sounds like he's a huge fan of WWE, I think if they really apply themselves to him, and I don't know if it's going to be a Gable 2.0 situation. I mean, it very well could be, but... I think enough people know him and he has enough momentum and buzz. I feel like they'd be, we say all the time, how can they mess this person up? And it always happens. But I feel like in this case, I feel like there's a better chance of uh, him having success than most people they've been hiring lately. No, I think he's probably one of the biggest guests they've got in a while um, with the notoriety from the Olympics, being an NCAA champion in wrestling. I mean, I feel like it's not like, I'm not going to say Brock Lesnar 2.0, but it's basically what that's the first comparison you go to just because what his accolades are. And I mean, he's a bigger guy. So I I don't see the Gable comparison. I mean, I think it's someone that Vince sees immediately and sees dollar signs in a box office. And that's what they're looking for. Um, I saw his brother, I think signed with NXT. Like, was he the last batch? Oh really? I didn't know that. I I thought, I think his brother who was a little bit smaller, uh, was in the last batch of NXT, uh, trainees that were signed so I mean, I, if anything i feel like you just start him off in a tag team maybe with his brother if that's i, th- I could have sworn it said that his brother was that was his brother and then move him up but i mean i, I think that's someone that vince like i said at the end of the day they're saying that they want people star star box office people that could be in movies i mean this guy has the look he's the age he just he looks like an absolute beast so 
I think this is exactly who they're looking to sign. And when they say they don't want five foot ten vanilla midgets, this guy is definitely not that. And I think he's one of those people when you say box office hit, if gotten done right, he, I mean, I could see him in like Roman Reigns. You really? At some, how far do you put that down the road, though? I mean, it all depends. I mean, it all really depends. I mean, if he's athletic and can pick it up like Kurt Angle can, I mean, I guess it could mm-hmm. be pretty soon, but. Uh, I mean, I give it a few been, years. It sounds like he's got to finish school first, but I give it maybe three, four years, maybe. <laughs> what is he going to Endicott College? <laughs> he didn't go to college to play school. He went to college to wrestle. <laughs> hey, he's already yeah, in WWE. Fuck it. Fuck it at this point. He's 21, so yeah. um, he'll be 22. Well, I'm assuming, I don't know when his, when his senior year will be over. But yeah, so I mean. I, I mean, I just think this is exactly, like I said before, this is exactly someone that they're looking for. And, okay, good for them. They, they made the deal, and I think he's got a lot of potential, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I think he has a lot of potential. I know nothing about the guy aside from the fact that he won the Olympics and obviously has a lot of credibility. But, I don't know, I just feel like with a guy like him, like you said, he's probably one of the biggest gets they can get. I mean, if they can't land a CM Punk or, a, you know, uh, have D- Brian Danielson resign or Adam Cole or any of these other guys. They need signings like this. They really haven't had a big, big signing in a while, and I think this is a big signing that cannot be understated. So um, hopefully he's successful. Hopefully he goes to NXT first and he works his way through the system. They don't hotshot him to the main roster. But I think this guy can do very well for himself if the booking is, uh, hopefully the booking is kind to him. That's the hope anyway. So let's get into All Out. Obviously, that was the big story from the weekend, Mr. Marceau. A lot of praise for the pay-per-view. It wasn't a perfect pay-per-view. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I told you that I thought it was one of the best pay-per-views of the decade. Um, obviously, it's hard to remember every show from the last 10 years from every promotion. But I would certainly put it on the list. Um, off the bat, though, real quickly, would you say this was the strongest pay-per-view this company has done today, at the very least? I mean... From what I- you can remember. I have terrible memory, GSM. I knew you were going to do this to me. Um, I would. It's like one of those things, like I said, I have such bad memory that I can't remember everything. I thought it was a really good show. I think all people are like kind of overhyping a little bit with all the debuts. I mean, the debuts were amazing, so I could see it there. But like, I don't know, I feel like one of the full gear shows was really good. Um, but like I said, I have a terrible memory, so I can't remember everything. But I, I would say it's probably the, one of their strongest, if it's not the strongest, one of the stronger shows that they've had. Because like I said, I have a terrible memory. I can't remember shit. Yeah, well, I mean, going back to Double or Nothing, we were there for the premier pay-per-view. I mean, would you say it was better than that? Yeah, I think it was better than that. Okay, I would agree with that, definitely. I mean, like I said, I think it's the strongest pay-per-view they've done to date. Um, but yeah, it's hard to pinpoint exactly which shows are better. You'd really have to go down and analyze it. But from what I can remember and from what I can tell you, I thought it was a great show and the strongest they've done a day. So I trust your memory. It's better than mine. <laughs> let's go through the card here. Opening up the actual show. We won't waste time on the pre-show match with the fucking HFO. I love Matt Hardy, but that shit is terrible. I mean, the biggest debut on the show, it wasn't, it wasn't Ruby Soho. It wasn't Brian Danielson. It wasn't even Suzuki or Adam Cole. I think it was the butcher, right? Wasn't that the biggest news coming out of the show? I honestly didn't watch the pre-show. I, I was too busy looking for a gimmick, fake, illegal stream because BRLI was giving me our time. <laughs> That's my fault. I dropped the ball on that one for you. I was just like, I and no, it's not even, not even that. It's just like I have the app on my phone or my Xbox. I go on it, and then it's just like I feel like nowadays apps are being like weird, and they're like, oh, you gotta re-log in again. It's like I literally was just logged in. It's like a new thing that apps, I feel like a lot of apps are doing now are companies like yeah. even if you haven't saved, they still make you log in and none of the credentials were working. So luckily I just went to the Twitter, Twitterverse, typed in uh, all out stream and I found one. <laughs> That's amazing. But unfortunately missed the HFO and uh, that other match. Well, Too I, bad. I mean, I thought it was a very fun match, but the butcher return went over like a fart in church and, um, I think to sum it up perfectly, Alexis turns to me and she goes, I didn't even know he was gone. I'm like, all right, there you go. That's that's all you really need to know. Uh, we open the actual event with AEW TNT title match, Miro and Eddie Kingston. Honestly, again, from what you can recall and from what I can remember, I think this is the best actual match that Eddie Kingston has had to date in this company. Like, he's had a lot of good hardcore matches. Like, he's had a lot of decent matches with Pac. Uh, that was a Lumberjack match, I think, or maybe it was against Lance Archer. But like, he had a lot of hardcore matches with Eddie, uh, or Eddie Kingston did with John Moxley that were enjoyable. But as far as the best match that he's had on his own, I think this was it. And I thought it was a good choice to open the show if Pac and Andrade wasn't happening, as we found out late last week after we recorded. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a good piece of business, and Miro winning was exactly what should have happened. 
no, this was definitely, like you said, best Eddie Kingston match I've seen so far. I feel like he has been pretty pigeonholed with, like, the hardcore stuff. So seeing him get, like, an actual one-on-one match in there was good. Um, I thought this was honestly better than his, his Moxley matches as well. Um, I feel like they always had some kind of shenanigans involved. So I thought Miro looked good, keep his momentum going. Um, I thought it was a great way to start the pay-per-view. Only kind of negative is I feel like the next match was pretty similar. So, like, having them back-to-back was a little weird. But I think that was mostly due to, uh, like you said, Andrade and Pack getting moved off the show. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it would have opened the show if that match was still happening. But I thought they set the stage nicely and Miro winning... Not clean, but I thought him winning relatively clean. No DQs or any like time limit shit or whatever. I thought it was good, and it looks like they're continuing the feud. Um, if they're not doing Santana Ortiz for the tag titles and them winning the tag titles in New York City, could you see Miro maybe losing the TNT title to Kingston in New York City in two weeks? Because it looks like the feud's continuing. It's possible. I like Eddie Kingston. TNT Championship doesn't really do much for me. I yep. mean, I like I just. I don't know. I feel like he's more of a stepping stone kind of guy. I mean, it would be obviously a great moment if he won in New York City because that's his hometown. But, like, maybe if he wins and loses it back pretty quickly. But, I don't know. I just – I like Eddie Kingston. I just – I don't know. I don't think Miro should be losing to him. I think it should be maybe like an under – like a like a jungle boy or something like that. Someone that's up and coming. I don't – I mean, I like Eddie Kingston, but nah. Yeah, I feel like it should be Jungle Boy or Sammy Guevara or someone along those lines. Uh, I, I like Kingston too, but as far as like working most weeks with most opponents, I feel like his strength is more on the stick and on the mic. So I really wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put the belt on him. It would make for a great moment. It would be a great feel good moment, but I'm glad Miro won though. Uh, so we go from there to the next match on the show. John Moxley, uh, Satoshi Kojima, I believe is how you pronounce his name. I was slightly familiar with Kojima from Impact. We talked about this last week. No real heat here to this at all because there was no real buildup, but for what it was, that it was a good, you know, hard-hitting, physical match. Moxley wins clean. Uh, the bigger takeaway is that the crowd just loved Moxley. They love the wild thing thing. Uh, it's grown on me. I love his original theme, and I think when he goes heel at some point, he's got to go back to that. But I think wild thing for now works. And then we got Suzuki afterward. I know you're not overly familiar with the New Japan product, but your thoughts on the match, Mr. Marceau, and the debut in AEW of uh, Minoru Suzuki uh, right after the match with Moxley. I thought the match was good. Like I said, I think it was very similar to like a hard-hitting fight like Miro and Eddie Kingston was. So I just I wouldn't have done them back-to-back. But I, like I said, I think it might have been more of a Pack and Andrade kind of they're missing the show. So they kind of just put these two back-to-back. But it was a similar match. Moxie winning clean or winning was, I mean, that's what had it happen. I mean, Moxie's been floundering, but he, I mean, you got to keep him winning here. And then, I mean, I, I honestly have no idea. Who can Kentaro Suzuki is, or if I even said his name correctly, but <laughs> Monero Suzuki. People yeah. went nuts, like they acted like he was like Stone Cold. I honestly have no idea who he was. Looked it up, he's like in his fifties, and I was like, okay. <laughs> if it was like Tanahashi or like Okada, or, like someone like that that I actually know, yeah, I probably went crazy, but I don't know. I had no idea who he was, unfortunately. I need Okada in AEW. I do. I was disappointed that he didn't come out, but they're probably building to that, but. I like Suzuki. I was very excited to see him. I did pop for that. You could hear in the video that I put up my channel, the live reaction. But Okada would have fucking... I mean, that that's not a that's not something you do in the second match on the show, though. That, that's what you close like a pay-per-view with. Like The crowd would lose their minds. Meltzer probably would have had a heart attack in the audience. We actually walked by him at the show. Did I tell you that? You saw Uncle Dave? Yeah, we did. We were walking into the arena, and alexis goes look 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 i'm like what are you talking about and then like after he walks by she goes did you see that i'm like what she goes that was dave Meltzer." i'm like no way and she goes yeah he's so fucking short he had a briefcase in his hand because like there were people next to us that like said oh we like your work you mark or something like that like they were yelling at him or whatever which was kind of funny but yeah we walked by dave Meltzer. i guess i didn't realize it but alexis said that we did i'm sure tell him what cornell thinks about him <laughs> I, I was gonna offer to clean up his office for him <laughs> The messiest office I've ever seen. <laughs> Shit was a mess. Brett Baker's Chris Statlander, AEW Women's World Championship. I honestly, dude, I thought this was a great match. I didn't have high hopes for it, not because I'm not a fan of both women. I like both women a lot. Um, the feud was kind of cold. It, you know, People knew that Statlander wasn't winning, although she's been undefeated all year. But, you know, the match was just kind of there going into the show, and I thought they went in there and killed it. I thought Baker had a really good performance. I thought Statlander was even better. Uh, she was super impressive here, and we really got to see what she was capable of. And in the end, she fell short of victory, and uh, it was Baker who retained the title. The only thing I didn't like about the match, as I texted you, was the finish. 
So for the finish, Baker did the Panama Sunrise to kind of hint at Adam Cole coming in, which he did later on in the night. And Statlander kicks out. And, th- and then she goes on to hit a uh, curb stomp, which Statlander also kicks out of, which Baker had already hit like two or three times before that. So she kicks out of another one, and then she locks in her uh, the lockjaw finish, or whatever she calls it, the submission, and then she taps out. Like I texted you, I would have had her maybe get out of the submission, kick out of the curb stomp, and then hit the Panama Sunrise for the win. I fucking hate. And I, Did you watch all of Dynamite last night? Yes. Did you see Dustin Rhodes at the Canadian Destroyer? Yes. Did you see him kick out of it? Yes. Fucking stupid. I thought that was awful. But I thought the match itself between Statlander and Baker was uh, was great. Though. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Um, like you said, I, I mean, and they, I feel like with AEW, a lot of their matches, they just don't know when it's time to go home. I mean, if you hit a Canadian Destroyer, I mean, basically that should be it. Anytime you hit anything out to that, it just makes the move. To, like, at this point, no one should care about the move because literally everyone kicks out of it. Yeah. It's not... And something like that, it just it just makes it just kills it to death. Like she hits like six finishers on it to kill her. Like at that point, like can she beat King Kong? Like Christ Almighty! But that was a good match. I just like I said, I hate the finish. But if you hit the Panama Sunrise one, two, three, would have been fine. Hitting the the stomp, then the it, I mean, people think it makes them look strong. It just makes the moves that you're doing look weak, if anything. Yeah, it's just stupid. I mean, we see it all the time, dude. We saw in that Revolution match last year with the Bucks and Hangman and pa- or Hangman Page and Omega. Remember, like, they did all these crazy-ass moves, and then in the end, it was like a simple clothesline that put them down? Like, come on, man. I-, I think the Lucha Bros, I think their tag team finisher is great, but when you hit a fucking Mexican Destroyer or whatever they call it off the top of the cage, and then they just continue the match, I'm like, okay. That really should have been it. But that that's always been, like, a big indie Ring of Honor, now AEW problem that they got to work on going forward. Um, but I thought this was really enjoyable. I thought they did a great job. Statlander looking good in defeat. And, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this for what it was. And they kept the interference to a minimum as well. From Hater and Rebel and Cassidy, they played their roles well. They didn't interfere too much. And it was exactly what it should have been. Now we get to the tag team title steel cage match. AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line here between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. I absolutely love the match. Watching it myself, I knew that you would absolutely fucking hate it. So I want to get your thoughts on it. The dueling super kicks was dumb. I agree with you there. Certain things in the match I wasn't a fan of. Um, I'm curious if you thought the thumbtacks and that stuff in the match was like putting a hat on a hat, as you like to say. Because um, to me, that felt slightly unnecessary. Although I like the blood, but like the ripping of the masks with the Lucha Bros, I feel like we see it every week. And I feel like the Lucha Bros have gone through like 50 masks by this point. They lose their masks every match they have. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed the match, though. I thought it was an awesome match. So what were your two cents? All right, I'm going to question your question with a question. What about that match did you like? I liked the action. The crowd was super into it. I didn't like the super kick stuff, but I liked the drama. I thought they have, I think they have great chemistry. Um, I know the spot fest stuff isn't exactly for you. I thought it worked in this case. And they also didn't have any interference, which I was pleasantly surprised with. I know Cutler threw the shit over the top of the cage. I w- like I said, I wasn't a fan of the thumbtack shit. Um, but I'm glad that no one tried to escape the cage or get in the cage. I feel like we see that all the time in WWE. So those were the major things that I liked about the match. Okay, I just... I and mean, the finish. It, to me, it was just the typical Young Bucks match. And the thing that I, everyone, oh, there's so much action because they hit legitimately every single move that was ever developed and they kick out of everything. And it just, yeah, it's a lot of action. I just feel like there's just like, you and at that point you could put Joey Janelle and Sonny Kiss and Luther and Serpentico in a cage match, hit, make them hit every move under the sun and everyone be like, oh, this is a great match. I just feel like everyone takes that like, oh, it was such a great cage match. You see, they did every move made possible. Like, yeah, it's a lot of action. I just feel like they don't sell anything. They bump or like they jump up from everything. The freaking stupid shoe with the thumbtack is stupid. Everyone was going crazy. They hit the uh, They were like super kick one guy. He'd fall down. He'd ju- kip up, hit another guy. Like they just like that's just so fake and phony. And I just to me, it's just not my cup of tea. Like you said, they hit all these big moves. They went on like a man finish. Like if anything, he should have hit. They should have won on the top he jumped off the top of the cage on a cross body like like 20 feet in the air should have just won on that but what else which i don't get so he cross bodies off the top top of the cage on his brother yep. in the two box 
but somehow his brother jumps up like he's fucking fresh as a daisy to hit the buck who was dead. How did he just jump up? He caught him as well. Yep, yep, yep. I understand but, that. But like, that's the things that I don't like. They just don't sell, like, they randomly don't sell stuff, and it's just like, it's just a spot fest. I mean, people like that, so I, I, I guess it's enjoying to that, but to me, I just, it's just never understood. Everyone, oh, it was so great, they had every move. Okay, but then the rest of the show, how can anyone upstage that? Because they just hit every move, and every guy just jumped up from it. <laughs> that's my biggest problem, is they usually start the show off, hit every move that anyone could possibly do later in the night, and then just makes everything else, just, just devalues everything else, because, like, if someone else wins on a DDT, like, well, how did he even win, win on a DDT? Well, yeah. the guy got fucking Canadian destroy off the top rope, and the guy kicked out. And yeah. that's guy, a guy that's 150 pounds. Come on. I mean, it's just one of those things with them. That, uh, to this point, that's why I just don't care about their matches, because they legitimately hit every move, and it's just not, not amusing to me at all. So, I agree with that to an extent, and that I'm okay with it in this case, because it was a major pay-per-view and a blow-off to the feud. If they do it on Dynamite, that's when I'm like, alright, why are they going all out for like a random match on Dynamite against the fucking, let me check my notes, the TH2. Like, you know what I mean? So, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think in this case, I think it was justified. But, again, like you said, if it's not your cup of tea, I totally understand that. But at the very least, though, can we agree that the, the result was the right one, the Lucha Bros winning the belts? Because I know we talked about Santana Ortiz, they really should have been the ones to take the titles, and New York, but I feel like they're in the same they're in the same pool as the Lucha Bros and that they also should have had a tag title run a while ago and they missed the boat two years ago by putting the belts on them and they fucking didn't. So I feel like better late than never by putting the belts on the Lucha Bros. I don't know where Santana and Ortiz mix into this and where they factor in. But I'm glad the result was the right one because you don't do a match like that and then have them lose. Cause we said last week if they lose, they're fucking done. So I feel like this was the right result. Yeah, I mean I think I it's one of those things like, yeah, I think that Lucha Bros should have won. The t- I think they re- originally, now looking back at it, they easily should have won the tag titles. In the, like, they should have been their first initial champions. I think that's a second guess you can look at now and be like, I like the SCU, but they won the titles, did nothing, and then they broke up. And now Scorpius guy's another tag team. So I feel like, re- now, hindsight looking at it, they should have definitely won the first championships. And then they could have continued the way they're going. I mean, I think the Bucks reign was amazing, but... Um, I think they should have held the belts and then lost to Santana Ortiz. I mean, I guess, I just feel like now what do you do with Santana Ortiz because they just beat FTR, and it, I mean, it seems like FTR is, I mean, unless that was just like a one-off they're feuding with Dark Order. I think that's more of a Dark Order thing, but it's just like, what do you do with them now? So, I don't know, I think I was surprised by the result. I like the Lucha Brothers. I thought it was a good win for them. I just... I just thought I think as I just maybe had my mindset that they were going to lose and that proud and powerful win at the Arthur Ashe show. And, but, yeah, yeah, so I wanted to see that too, but I feel like if you did that, then the Lucha Bros are done. I feel like at least if you put the belts on the Lucha Bros, Santana and Ortiz are not done. I mean, you put the belts on it, they won't be in New York City. I mean, I guess I could do it in Long Island, but it's not the exact same thing in a couple months. I don't know. I feel like if you do what we were going to do, then the Lucha Bros are just dead in the water. I don't know. I'm glad they finally have a run, though. At least it was them, and it wasn't like some random-ass team like fucking Chaos Project or some stupid shit because Luther's terrible and doesn't deserve to be on the roster, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, so I'm glad it was the Lucha Bros and not some other random team, and it just makes sense to be uh, It made sense to be them. So I- I'm looking forward to see where they go with it. They weren't on... Or they, they cut a promo on Dynamite backstage, but... That was about it. So I'm interested to see where they go from here and what team is first to uh, challenge them. Speaking of challengers, we found out the next contender in line for the Casino Battle Royal, having won the Casino Battle Royal, uh, the next woman in line for the AEW Women's World Championship. That is Ruby Soho, making her AEW debut as we all expected. Uh, Pretty basic Battle Royal, but it was enjoyable down the stretch. Some of the eliminations were a bit quicker than I was expecting, but... Solid stuff. I thought the right woman won. She got a great reaction. I love the finish with her and Thunder Rosa. Kind of gave me Ripley and Bianca vibes from the Rumble this year. Because either woman could have won and no one would have complained. Um, but I think Ruby was the right woman to win because that would have saved Thunder Rosa and Baker for down the road. Um, so your thoughts on this, Mr. Marceau, and the AEW debut of Ruby Soho and her subsequent victory in the Battle Royal? No, I thought it was a good, uh, decent Battle Royal, like you said. I, I mean, she did get tossed as quickly as she did. kind of bothered me, but... Um, besides that, it was good for what it was. Um, so winning, I mean, we, I think we both didn't say she'd win. Yeah, uh, no, I said Ty Conte, yeah. I guess we were both off on that one, but no, I, I think with her and Thunder Rose at the end made the most sense. 
I, I don't think she's going to beat Britt. I, I still think that should be safe for Thunder Rosa, but um, we'll see what happens. But I thought it was good for what it was, good little debut. I mean, everyone kind of figured that's what – I mean, it was basically confirmed that she was going to be there. So, um, But, no, it was good for what it was. I like seeing Sarah J back, great for her. Sarah um, J. <laughs> I'll start calling her by Anna J. Now she deserves it. So, wow. Great to, see, great to see Anna J back, and uh, I thought it was decent for what it was. Yeah, no, I thought it was well done towards the end. I'm glad Ruby won, and most of the other women I would have been fine with too, but it was nice they gave her the momentum boost in night one. Uh, they gave her the song that she was using in the vignettes leading up to the event, so I feel like she already feels like more like a star than she did in the four years that she was in WWE, but I'm not sure if that's saying much considering how they presented her. No, I mean, I think they're going to give her a little bit more time. I think she's obviously she's coming right in range of major feud, so she's going to seem bigger than she is. Sure. I'm more see what happens if she doesn't beat Brett and then what they do with her from there because it seems like anyone that's either lost the title or hasn't won the title or lost the title they've literally gone to obscurity so we'll see what happens if she loses the Brett I'm more interested to see where she goes from there than where she is now because I think she's obviously running the title picture now but if she loses I just I mean was she, is she going to be off, the t- off TV like she has been so I guess we'll see yeah, I don't think that, you know, that's not a reflection of her talent. I think, like, Sheeta, it's more of a reflection of the women's division and how they handle them and them just not doing anything with these fucking women, which is ridiculous. Um, that's the big problem. So, we'll, we'll see. I think, you know, they, they, they could benefit from having more undercard feuds. Now we have Ty Conti and Anna Jay versus, um, let me check my notes here, the fucking Bunny and Penelope before, like, anyone gives a shit. But we'll just get the tag team match over with and move on. But yeah, no, I'm inter- I don't think she's going to win. I don't think she should win. I don't think she needs to win. Um, as long as they put her in, you know, keep her on the show in some form or fashion, then I'm good with that. Like, Thunder Rosa doesn't need to be on the show every week, although it wouldn't be nice if she had, like, a summer, like, a secondary storyline on the show. Ruby Soho would be, no, uh, you know, different from that. Um, but yeah, no, I think she's already off to a good start. And did you, I popped for that runaway to catering line on Dynamite. I thought that was great. Yeah, that was Baker. hilarious. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah, no, good stuff there. So after that, we then had Chris Jericho, MJF. Had Jericho lost, that would have been it for him in AEW. He would have had to retire from the ring. Obviously, he wasn't losing here. Um, they did the dusty finish, which I thought was well done. I don't know why people actually believed it. But you brought up a great point before we hit the record button here and saying that, you know, if they were going to restart the finish because they saw the foot on the rope, then why didn't they see Jericho use the fucking bat or whatever? I completely agree with that. Um, again, no interference for the most part from the rest of the inner circle pinnacle. I like that. The match itself was better than the dynamite match. The finish was what we thought it was going to be. Um, no real complaints here. I thought it was, you know, well done. The crowd was into it. It wasn't a Mac classic, but I enjoyed the storytelling here. They did a good job with it. And, uh, MJF, I don't think loses much in defeat. As long as they can bounce him back in a major feud following the Brian Pillman stuff, I'm totally okay with it. He should have won the overall feud. It is what it is. What were your thoughts on the match, Mr. Marceau? I thought the match was good. I just, like I said, at the end of the day, I'm just annoyed that he lost and tapped out to Jericho. If they were going to give him a win, I think they should have done it like maybe the the late, the last labor maybe should have won, and then they set up the match here. I just feel like, yeah, MGF won three of the matches, but he, I mean, people only remember the end, and he lost to Jericho on the pay-per-view, and it's one of the most few pay-per-views they've had so far. So I guess maybe I, I just... The Brian Pillman stuff, I guess, is different. I guess if they're going to do him and Warlow, they could do tag match against the Varsity Blondes. But I just feel like he's so much so much higher on the card than Brian Pillman. It just seems like a demotion for him. Like I think Brian Pillman has a lot of potential, but he's barely won on TV. And I just feel like it's just very, I don't know. If this was done when the Brian Pillman Dark Side of the Ring happened and Brian Pillman had more recognition, they had to build them up a little bit, okay, but... I mean, coming off the loss of Jericho, I just feel like it's just—it's a very big downgrade for him. Well, I'm fine with it. I think it's a temporary feud. He beats him, and you can move on. They were in Cincinnati. He got a great reaction last night, so I'm okay with it. But obviously, this is not who he's facing in full gear. They're doing the match at the Grand Slam show at Arthur Ashe Stadium in a few weeks. Who do you program MGF with next on the roster now that we know that he lost it all out? <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's really not too many faces for him. Why not continue the uh, inner circle feud? Please, no. <laughs> I'm done with it. Please move on. Unless they're going to do him and Sammy. Even like, then, like, though, dude, I feel like even then, we got to move on from that. Show. I know. I feel like yeah. they zip through that anyway. So, I yeah. honestly, I mean, that's why I feel like they're doing him and Brian right now because there really isn't much for him to do. I feel like all of the bigger baby faces are tied up right now. 
Could you see him? I mean, maybe, Punk? maybe him and Cody. Maybe they can re- replenish that going into full gear. I maybe, mean, but then wouldn't Cody win that one too? <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly feel bad for MJF. I feel like his steam's been blown off a little bit. I just feel like they should just have him beat Jericho. I don't get it. But the, I think the biggest issue for the whole, the biggest issue is all the champions right now are all, or yeah, all the champions are heel right now. I, I would consider the Lucha Brothers basically tweener heels. But you have Brit heel, they have Miro heel, they have Omega heel. I mean, if you're an t- up-and-coming heel, there's pr- really no space for you to really do anything of big note right now. So, and Punk's, like, I feel like all their big baby faces are tied up right now as well. So, they already did him in Jungle Boy, so they're not going to do that. And he's already tied up. Feels like Cody's the only one, but if he beats Malachi, which probably is going to happen... <laughs> Don't be stupid, people. I just don't really know what you do with them. I, I don't know. Danielson's tied up. Could you do him in Punk, maybe? I feel it's like it's just, too soon for that, because then Punk might Punk, win, and then he's going to lose. Way too soon. He's coming off a loss to Jericho, so wouldn't help him. Yep. And it seems like he's already Punk be feuding with Team Taz, who I don't even need to go down that Christian road again. Cage? I don't know, honestly. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Honestly, maybe, but I just... Eh. Christian's coming off a loss too, but I mean he can lose to MGF and it's fine because you know it's Christian. So, yep. I know we'll see. I'm curious. I'm curious where they go with it from here. Well, speaking of CM Punk, he made his return to the ring after seven years away on Sunday against Darby Allen. I thought this was exactly what it needed to be. I thought Punk looked good, but even more so than that, I thought Darby made him look even better. I thought Darby was the one who did most of the stuff here. He kind of was on offense for the majority of it. Did a lot of bumping, selling. Punk looked great, don't get me wrong, but this was really more about Darby Allen, I thought, in terms of like him making this a, as memorable of a match as it was. Uh, so the GTS like a champ, you know, suffers the loss. Punk wins. Great sign of respect afterward from Sting and Darby. Great shit. Um, I thought this was exactly what it needed to be for a first Punk match in seven years. There were no major botches. He didn't embarrass himself. He's got the tights now. Looks good. And, um, yeah, the Darby doesn't really lose much from this at all. He's got more eyes on him than ever before because people know who he is because he faced CM Punk. So uh, what were your thoughts on the in-ring return of CM Punk at All Out, Mr. Marceau? Yeah, so I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I don't think it was the greatest match of all time. No. Um, I mean, it was getting kind of late. I may or may not have dozed off at one point. But uh, I thought it was good. I, I caught back up when it seemed like it picked up the pace a little bit. Um, Darby, like I said, I think this was more of a showcase for Darby. He just, I mean... He's got so much untapped potential. I just wish he was a little bit bigger. But um, this is great. I think Punk's first match back with a great up-and-comer. I mean, he won here. The sign of respect's always great. Um, but, yeah, first match back, I, I think there's no complaints there. Yeah, no, definitely. I thought they did exactly what they set out to do, and it was good. And, uh, you know, we kind of talked about Punk in a second ago. But he's doing the Team Taz thing right now. The issue with them is they don't really win whenever it matters most. I am looking forward to Punk and Hobbs. I love the fact that Punk is a Hobbs fan. Um, it looks like he's trying to ca- cross off every name on his bucket list to people that he wants to face. He's said it before. He's a fan of Allen and Hobbs. Also on that list is Ricky Starks. I feel like we'll see that at some point. I feel like we might see him in Jungle Boy at some point, and even Brian Pillman as well. So, um, yeah. Now I thought I thought his return on Dynamite too. Just you know, this past week his promo was great. Again, same thing with MJF. Who do you think the next major opponent is for CM Punk? And I also have no issue with him, by the way, working his way up the ladder. I have no issue with him not immediately reporting to the world title scene because I feel like it's too soon for that anyway. Um, so, yeah, beyond Team Taz, who do you see being programmed with CM Punk? Tough one again. I mean, Team Taz seems like it's an interim. Uh, maybe if Miro drops the belt, you can do him and Miro coming up. Um I uh, yeah, I wouldn't put him in the TNT title picture. No, I would say if, if Miro dropped the belt. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like it's too soon for him in like Andrade or him in Black, because they all need wins. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I mean, I, I that's why I feel like they're going to Team Taz. They haven't really won much. I mean, I think Powerhouse has a shit ton of potential. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, guy just has everything. I feel like him. It was just him and Taz alone. I feel like UT could be even better. Mm-hmm. Um, monster but uh no i think i mean i just we discussed it before i feel like they they should probably i mean yeah he beat cage but i feel like they got i feel like they've i wish they just accrued more wins to kind of like mean a little bit more like yeah people care about them but i just feel like they've never really won much to like really care about them and i feel it's maybe the AEW curve but this was like raw or smash on people it would be like league of nations 2.0 i mean it's not quite that bad but i see what you mean there (laughs) 
Until until they lose to Punk in a four and one handicap match. Until until Hobbs loses to Punk on Dynamite and then on Rampage they lose to him in a four and one handicap match. That's when we can talk about it. Love the four and one handicap match and they lost. Fucking awful. And that was like when we were watching the shows together and we we're like, yo, this is terrible. For as bad as the shows are now, SmackDown's at least a lot better than it was back then. Can we at least admit that if nothing else? Because that shit was terrible. Yeah, it was pretty bad. That was awful. Uh, I got up for this match, and I went back and saw some of it. Paul White and QT Marshall. Again, dude, it was exactly what it should have been. It gave me enough time to go get an ice cream bar, so I can't complain. Uh, It was a nice little buffer match. It should not have been on the pay-per-view, but for whatever it was, it was what it should have been. The factory is terrible. Um, No one can convince me otherwise. They were just awful. And uh, Marshall lost. He got killed by Paul White, and that was it. So short, sweet, straight to the point. I have no complaints here about this at all. Uh, my only complaint, the match lasted three minutes longer than it should have been. The match was timed <laughs> minutes and ten seconds. Um, there should have been, like I said, a knockout punch, boot on QT, move on. QT, the factory. Besides a go-go, the other two guys literally are terrible. The two job guys they had with them on Wednesday show last week were terrible. QT's awful. What job just, guys? The two freaking random guys that were with them are terrible. Give me more go-go. Kid wants a go-go, but I think he's hurt, though, right? Remember when, Q- remember when Cody put him over? That shit so, was like, terrible. Oh, wait, no, it didn't happen. Yeah, and then he had him get knocked out the next night so QT could beat him. Yeah, yep. and then, no. Uh, QT so, Mar- so match. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, yeah, exactly. QT Marshall having a pay-per-view match over, I don't know, Sammy Guevara, Malachi Black, you name it. It just doesn't sit well with me. I mean, I know it makes sense, and that's why he was on the show, and it's not like I, I wouldn't thrust everyone on the show for no reason, but it is a little silly. Uh, but again, like I said, at least it was short, sweet, straight to the point. We get to the main event, AEW World Championship on the line, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. Um, I spoke to you about this earlier, but I thought it was a good match. I enjoyed it. Was it an amazing match? No, I thought it was very good. The crowd was quiet because it was late. They knew Christian wasn't winning. I thought the Rampage match was better. This was still very good. I liked the table spot. It made no sense to do it when they should have been disqualified, but whatever. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed this. So the Christian looked great for a you know, almost 50-year-old guy in the main event of a pay-per-view in 2021. I thought he looked very good. The one-winged angel off the top, thank God it actually won him the match. He didn't kick out or whatever. And it sounds ridiculous I would even say that, but like we just got talk- we got done talking about, they'll do these big spots and then they'll kick out and then like punch him in the face and the match is over. So I'm glad they ended it when they did. But obviously the real focus was on what happened afterward. Adam Cole, Brian Danielson showing up as rumored, Double swerve. I thought it was very well done. I would typically not debut the same people or two people on the same night. Um, the way that it was done, I thought it was great. Everyone thought Brian was coming out and Cole came out instead. And it was a great surprise because we're like, oh shit, he's actually an AEW. It wasn't really reported before the show actually happened. So I thought that was fucking cool. And then Danielson comes out and the place gets even louder. So um, amazing stuff here. I thought it was a great way to close out the show and a really Great way to entice people to tune in going forward. So, your thoughts in the match, Mr. Marceau, between Cage and Omega, and then the debuts of Cole and Daniel uh, Brian Danielson in uh, AEW. It's going to take me a while to say Brian Danielson and not Daniel Bryan. <laughs> I thought the match was good, like you said. I think the match on Rampage was better. Um, it was fine for what it was. I think people just kind of, at that point, the show was long. Just didn't really care about it as much. Um, Christian was never really a threat to win, so that kind of lowers the expectations as well. Um, I think people were more looking forward to after the match for some kind of a surprise. And guess what? They got two of them. Uh, Cole coming out. I mean, I fell out of bed almost. Um, we'll say this now, and I've said it online. I've said it to you. If they can limit his ha-ha and comedy with the elite, I'm fine with it. But if he's wearing nose rings, earrings, and dressing like a goofball, Jesus Christ. And then with Brian Danielson, I mean... I mean, I think people are going to go nuts regardless. So I'm interested to see what they do with him. I mean, it seems like him and Omega, it seems like that's the next. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised by that. I feel like he should win. So, so do, you, nervous, do you think they're but, planting the seeds for down the road, like when they did with Cage and Omega six months ago? Or do you think they're going right into it soon? I, it seems like they're going at it soon, but I'm nervous. I feel like if he's facing Omega, he should win. And I don't want that to happen. So. I don't know. Honestly, I don't think I would be pissed if they did the match. I mean, I wouldn't do it at Arthur Ashe, but if they did it at the full game. But the thing is, though, is that if you want to have him have a match against Omega, he has to win. That's you know? my point. Uh, so that's the weird thing. Or no, just or he has to win some matches before then. Like, 
he has to he has to build up his win loss record, earn a title shot. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do the match this soon. I don't know. I'd wait until after Paige becomes champion. Do you think Paige is coming back for full gear? Or do you think they're going to wait until the pay per view after that? But actually, you know, a picture idea that you texted me about the other day because I thought that was great. I think they should do is have Hangman come back, starts getting some wins again. Then he has to. Then he's like, "Oh, I like gets the point. They should probably face Omega again." Omega says, "Okay, but you have to beat Adam Cole first. You can do him and Adam Cole at full gear. I mean, that'd be a great match, not for a title, or I guess championship opportunity at that point. And then Hangman beats Cole at full gear, and then you can have Omega versus Hangman like the winter is coming, or if they have like a special at the end of December, you can have one there heading into 2022." Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, I, I, I like what you said about the Winter is Coming show because that's where Omega won it last year. Cole and Omega, or Cole and Paige, I mean, you sold me there. As soon as you said that, I, you bought me with that one. So um, I think that'd be great. I don't know what his timetable is for coming back. I know they're in his home state like the week after Full Gear, so they might wait until then to bring him back. So they might not even do it then, but we'll see. I don't know what, what his timetable is. He could be back in New York City in like two weeks, so I'm not exactly sure. Um, but there's a lot of ways you can go with that. I mean, Adam Cole, Danielson, Punk being in the company is huge. I wouldn't be signing everybody, but I feel like you'd be a fucking moron to not make a play for these people. And I think they can all be very beneficial to AEW down the road. Um, speaking of which, real quickly, the news broke the other day from Fightful. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp tweeting the news that Kevin Owens' contract is coming up in January. Your two cents on that, being a big KO guy, do you think he is leaving? Do you want to see him leave? I mean, what's the point in staying? Uh, I love WWE. I just don't know why he would stay. So I, I want to get your take on it because we haven't discussed that at all. I mean, if that's true, he's gone. You think so? For sure? 100%. Really? Well, wow, okay. I think he's leaving too, but I don't think it was a set in stone thing. I think it is. I just feel like he just, I mean, he he's one of those guys I feel like they they put the Universal Championship on him and that was more of just like a, not a swerve, but that was all because of Finn getting hurt. I mean, he would. Ne- I don't think he would ever have gotten the title for that. And then he won it, and I just feel like since then he's just never really been in the main title picture. They don't really—he's just in that middle card purgatory at this point with the same like five set of guys on SmackDown. I just—and I—I don't know—I just don't think he can go with it. He's—he uh, was friendly with the Young Bucks and all them, and I just feel like if your contract's up now, if you're not liking what you're going to do, I don't think it's going to change. I don't think they're going to see something big in him. I think they think he's just a big indie guy and. I like Kevin Owens. I just feel like the last, especially year, he's done absolutely nothing. So I think he's all out or all elite bound in January. Yeah, all out of WWE. Um, they're going to be all out of <laughs> all out of talent. <laughs> they keep leaving, but or they keep releasing people. So yeah, I mean, I personally, just from a fan perspective, I mean, if they offer him a lot of money to stay, and the guy's got a family and he stays, I mean, whatever. Um, I think he should definitely leave. I said this on hashtag, but I feel like he risks becoming the next Dolph by staying in WWE. I feel like how many times can you win the fucking Intercontinental or United States Championship if they're not going to move you up the card, which is where he belongs? You know, and he had the great feud with Roman. They had a lot of fun matches. I love the feud with Zayn. I love the WrestleMania match. The last man standing match recently was great. But from a booking standpoint, it's not even like with these other guys where it's like, you know, with Adam Cole, it was more a case of, I don't have a future for this guy. I don't see a future for this guy in WWE. I really don't. That's why I don't want to see him here. With Black, he got fired, but it was more so like they never really saw what they had in him and never really gave him a shot. They've given Owens a lot of shots. He's made the most of every single one. He's been very successful. I mean, if anyone tries to argue this guy's been buried is a fucking loser and just isn't paying attention. I mean, could he have been bigger in the company like you said? Absolutely. Like he should have been a multi-time champion by now. A much bigger star than he is, I think. He's still very popular and is still very successful. He's like, I put him in the Nakamura Asuka category where he's been very successful but could still be bigger. But like you said, dude, if he stays, what more do you do with him? Does he feud with Sami Zayn for the millionth time? Like, I could see Sami leaving too. He's another guy. I don't see him getting out of the spot that he's in right now. There is absolutely just, they've done everything they can do with these guys. And that's why I think, you know, you listen to Cornette's podcast. Isn't that kind of the benefit of having different territories where you can go to different places and that are on the same level as WWE and have similar success as opposed to staying in the same place and getting stagnant? Well, that's what happened. I feel like unless you're a big, big star, I mean, that can happen. I feel like like, like, Dolph Ziggler is a perfect example. If you, they're not going to push him in the main car, like, if you're not going to be flexible with these people and they're not going to, like, 
kind of like branch out and maybe like they'll do a little mid card run and like that stuff like that. If you're not gonna, if you're just gonna keep them in one kind of territory or one kind of like area, then never they're just gonna get stale. It's like a Dolph Ziggler, it's a perfect example. He won the world title and then he just never went back and never won it again. So at that point, it's like he's been going for the mid card title forever and just it's just boring at this point. Yeah, there's or nothing the new. Titles, yeah. Same guy. You need a you need to elevate them or do something new or at least we're gonna do something new like make it interesting. I just feel like. I don't know. I just I feel like that's what happens a lot with these people that aren't like top guys because I feel like even top guys you can move them down the card a little bit, lose a little bit, and it doesn't affect them. But people that are just like clearly mid carders for life, it just they just get stale eventually. Yeah, I mean, especially if they don't have a lot of new talent coming into the main roster. I mean, they do with the NXT people sometimes. But Owens is a guy that I don't want to say peaked early, but like he beat John Cena in his debut match. How much higher up the card can you go from there? I mean, he's already feuded a million times with Roman, with Seth, with Randy, with Sammy, with Big E. I mean, everybody. I mean, he's done pretty much everything there is to do short of becoming tag team champion. Uh, so it's tough. I, you know, I'd rather see him stay and be successful. But if AEW is an option, I don't see why he wouldn't leave. And, and when his contract comes due in January, especially when they've had absolutely nothing for him to do, where would you see him fitting in the shuffle currently? I know it's September and this is January, but come early 2022 when he does leave, where would you see him fitting into the picture in AEW, if if anywhere in particular? I mean, it's one of those things I really don't know. I feel like they're snatching so many people right now. That I really don't know where you put him in. I mean, he should be a heel. I feel like he's better as a heel. I agree. They have a ton of guys like that. I mean, maybe if they have Cole split away from the elite, you can have him join in. But besides that, I really don't know what you do with him right away. Yeah, I think he could be like, even if he's in the same spot, dude, in in AEW, at least it's something different for him. Like, if if he goes right to AEW and is an upper mid Carter, it's the same thing as on SmackDown, but the same, the difference is that at least he's facing new people and there's new things to strive for. Like in WWE, he's already hit the ceiling. He's not going to go back. So it's like, why even bother staying? He's faced all the big guys multiple times over. The thing about Dolph, to go back to him for a second, it's just, to talk about him for a quick second, isn't it incredible? Like, had he left when he really should have left, before AEW was even a thing? Like, we're going back five years here. Instead of re-signing, let's say like late 2017, early 2018, when I think we all wanted him to leave, I think he could have been in Cody's spot. I don't. I don't think he would have been heading a major wrestling promotion, but I think he would have been the absolute hottest thing on the independent scene, a lot like Cody Rhodes was for a few years there. And he could have been in an AEW and be a much bigger deal. I feel like if he were to leave now, Dolph Ziggler, no one would give two shits. I would have no desire to see him in an AEW. I feel like he's damaged goods at this point. Yeah, he is. I feel like he should have done what Drew did. I think Drew needed it as well. Yep. I- if you're with the company a lot, even if you just go on the independence, you just leave for a little bit, you're not on TV, you're not overexposed, maybe find something new or get some kind of, learn a new hold, like they used to say. He goes out and learns a new hold. Uh, I just, I for Dolph especially, I feel like if you don't leave, how can I miss you? I mean, exactly, he's been yeah. so long and he's done the same stuff. He's been the same kind of guy. And if he left for a few years, I think he could have rejuvenate his career just like Drew did. Maybe not to the same extent, but it would have been different than what it is now. He's just been the same guy for the last 10 years. I mean, we joke about the TNA stench, but he's one of those guys that has the WWE stench where if he was to ever leave, I really don't give a fuck about wherever he goes. I mean, obviously, I think he could be successful in like an impact or something, but in AEW, he's not one of these people I would bend over backwards to sign. I really... He's been there for so long, like a Tyler Breeze, too. I like the guy, but, like, he was in NXT for so long, like, his stock has plummeted to the point where, like, I I don't really see a need for him to be picked up by an AEW. He's another one of those guys. Oh, man, who's another one? Uh, You could probably go up and down the roster, but not like the New Day I don't ever really see leaving anyway. Is there anyone else, like a Dolph, where it's like he's been there for so long? Like, you know what? Here's a good example. Zack Ryder. I mean, the guy had a lot of... I'm not saying he would have been world champion, but, like, when he was really being creatively fucked over five, six, seven, eight years ago, had he left then, I feel like he also could have done a lot like what Cody did and been very successful on the indies. He's doing well now in Impact, but it's like he just has the WWE stench every time I look at the guy. It's like, okay, he's a fucking loser because he was in WWE Zack Ryder for 10, 13 years, and the only reason why he left is because they fired him and not because he left on his own. I feel like he's another one of those guys that was in the system for so long and endured such bad booking. There's just no hope for him anywhere outside of WWE. 
I mean, I completely agree. It's one of those things, if you don't leave, how can I miss you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So hopefully Kevin Owens doesn't become a victim of that. Um, time will tell, but hopefully come January and his contract is indeed up and he does indeed leave. Hopefully he is AEW bound or goes to New Japan or fucking goes back to Ring of Honor or Impact or whatever. I think AEW makes too much sense for him to not do. The things are getting interesting. Going full circle here, or going full circle here for a quick moment, Mr. Morso. Going back to a text he sent me last night. You feel the momentum shifting right now in favor of AEW. I don't think they're taking over WWE tomorrow. I don't think they'll ever financially beat out WWE. But I think long term, all these losses from a morale standpoint are not going to do WWE any favors. I do think it's a different situation from WCW. You're only signing people that make sense. From a rating standpoint, I don't think they'll ever beat out WWE consistently. Um, but I think it's, it might have an effect long-term when it comes time to re-up those, you know, TV contracts and NBC and Fox are like, nah, fam, we don't, we don't want you because your ratings are terrible. So how do you see the momentum shifting now and also going forward between the two companies? Um, I mean, momentum wise, AEW has all the momentum right now. Yep. Uh, future. I mean, I just feel like WWE, I mean, they don't really have a lot of new stars, um, I think that's probably why they're trying to go in that new direction of trying to make new stars and find new faces and do that kind of approach. They feel like they have the same people and really have, like, that's why they keep having to go back to the Undertakers and Lesnar's and John Cena's and all those old people they keep bringing back because they just haven't made new stars. And I just, I don't think, like you said, I don't think they'll ever overtake WWE because I just, I'm, I just don't think that's happening unless WWE sold and they just fold it over. But, um, I just think AEW right now, it's, at least wrestling-wise, has all the momentum. SmackDown's been great, so I, I feel like SmackDown is holding its own, but yeah. Raw is absolutely abysmal. I mean, <laughs> it is such a bad show. It's one of those shows, and, it, and good for them, because it's something that they've definitely obviously built up through the 20-something years the show has been on the air, or however long Raw Almost been, 30 I, now almost 30 years like they built up a reputation that people at this point just watch because it's habit like that's how much respect that people have for raw or the WWE. like do i love watching raw no but it's like just like a monday night thing i do is like just watch raw even if the show is terrible i feel like that's that's something that is hard to do and i think there's obviously some people that will start tuning off more and more when the show just keeps getting worse and worse but i mean it just raw is just so bad yeah, it's just a terrible show. Again, I, I just want to see it improve. I would like to see them put more effort, and I would like to see AEW let a fire under their ass and just put in better content. But I'm not holding my breath, because if I did, I'd be dead by now. SmackDown, at least, is decent. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. I think it's going to be a fun show at MSG. Brock's back. The Beast is back. Edge Rollins, too. Becky and Belair, the contract signing. It's going to be a fun night, Mr. Mars. So we'll have all uh, a lot of things to talk about next week here on the show as far as Raw goes and whatever else is new with AEW. Thank God we're done with all the fucking pay-per-views for right now. There's been so many shows recently. Uh, I'm, I'm all wrestling out for right now, so it looks like we're uh, in a bit of a sand standstill for at least a couple of weeks until Night of Champions or whatever the fuck it is. Extreme Rolls, I think, is the next pay-per-view. Yeah, and on the 26th. So we got a couple of weeks until that, but uh, we'll be right back here next week, Mr. Marceau, breaking it all down in the world of wrestling on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. Mr. Marceau, brother, this is a blast as always. I look forward to talking next week, dude. See you later, Joseph.